Chapter 7, Friday, The Drive to Eden Lifted by the Dead Fanny had been warm, just out from under the covers, when I hugged her and told her I missed her already. It was hard to say goodbye under the circumstances. Grace tucked herself into the back seat with the pillows. I was on the road again, with hours for my own thoughts. I couldn't wait to submerge myself in the spa-like healing pools of Eden. It was an eight-hour drive, so we would have gotten there around one o'clock, but before that, another cupcake shop. Yay! Let's see what's out here in the middle of nowhere, I thought to myself as I switched on the radio and hit the seat button. Lo and behold, surprise, surprise, what did I hear but half a mile from Tucson by the morning light, none other than the Grateful Dead. Bobby sang, but Jerry's lit licks shone through. My old buddy, you're moving much too slow. Oh yeah, he got that right. I was half asleep and not taking advantage of Mary's capacity for velocity. I punched the accelerator until I reached a reasonably speedy pace. Jack Straw on the radio, unheard of on the East Coast. The humor of the universe was in full force. I went through the lyrics word by word and at every turn of phrase found more synchronicity of that song to my life and even more so now in retrospect. I'm Jack, the fool that pushes forward without knowing what's next. It's a travel song and he's passing through cities, almost the same cities as us, only in reverse going east from sea to shining sea. I got a chill from the line, cut down a man in cold blood. Jerry had his megaphone turned on, shouting all the way from the place where music and spirit meet, only I wasn't registering it fully. After that, I was inspired and happy, fairly dancing inside. The dark sky showed no sign of dawn yet. I immersed myself in the splendor of the sparkling stars, so many more than I could see from Annapolis, watching as Venus rose and the moon set. I thought about the day before, going to the bakery, getting the sound down for the review, and making a plan for the film clips. I fancied myself a genuine videographer, in that moment, I became consciously aware that my true purpose was to visit every cupcake shop in America. I didn't know how long that wish had been lying dormant. Once it hit in earnest, it fit like the beloved Paris silk pajamas that I had lived in through the pandemic. I was meant to travel, seeking the best cupcake shops in America. The notion captured me, traveling for cupcakes. It was giving all the way. My raison de la vie finally revealed, or so I thought. Soon the dawn came. There is a magnificent stopping point between Tucumcari and Eden called the White Sands National Desert. It was unlike any place I had ever been. I had seen pictures of the Sahara in Egypt, and it surpassed them by far with its tall white dunes and each grain of sand a tiny oval crystal. The timing was, as usual, perfect, as the sun was minutes from rising. I anticipated the mystical moments with Grace and the sun as I pulled over. It was a glorious spot that boasted vast arrays of views. Grace kicked off her shoes and socks and stood on the bare earth in her bare feet without walking anywhere, able to look straight into the rising sun from where we pulled over. I witnessed a small shift as she settled into her daily worship. I kicked off my own sandals and noticed the grainy crystals tickling my toes. The sun was a twinkle on the horizon, but expanded rapidly as it came up. 
Up she rises. I heard Grace say under her breath with a small gasp of awe and wonderment, even though this was at least her thousandth time. She talked about the sun like a friend. I planned to ask her why she said the sun is a she in the morning and a he in the afternoon. drove the next stint to Las Cruces, which was only about half an hour away. I still had energy and Grace wanted to read the news. She excitedly said she had bars on her phone. She got quiet as she navigated to Safari. Then she said, oh my days. What happened? Someone I love a lot has died. Oh no, who was it? My friend Aria. She was an astrologer friend, someone I've known since my 30s who I met while traveling overseas. I'd say she was just about my most famous friend, she replied. Gosh, I'm so sorry. Was she famous for being an astrologer? Seemed unlikely to me. Yes, but more so for being a psychic and an actress. She went by Madame R-Ring and was quite well known, especially in her country, the Philippines. I was stunned. Goosebumps immediately formed from my head down my arms as my dream ambushed me. Grace, I dreamed about her last night. Are you sure? Was this her? She asked, handing me her phone. Accompanying the article was a picture of the woman in my dream, the spit and image. The notable exception was her eyes. In the dream, they were much more expressive, deeper and larger. Like you'd see with one of the filters we'd been talking about with Fanny. Yes, that's her. She's definitely the woman I dreamed about. There must have been a message, she said, her voice excited and full of hope. There were several messages. I told her about my dream. I'll take that to heart about eating your cupcake, she said with mock seriousness. We laughed. I must say she was a colorful character, dramatic, extremely psychic, vibrant, service focused, and oh, so very caring. I adored her. Oh, I'm really sorry for your loss. Thank you, it's just so sweet though. It's like she came to you to get to me to let me know she ended up in a heavenly spot. Now I know she's okay. I mean, I would have known, but just nice to hear all's well. I saw some tears fall. I reached out and patted her hand, pleased that I could be there. It shows how close she still feels to you. I'm glad I could deliver the message. I hope she was comforted. Despite my compassion for Grace's grief and the awe from experiencing something from beyond the earth, a part of me was still deeply disturbed. But then I remembered that Madame Earring, with her otherworldly calm and angelic eyes, told me not to be afraid. Eden's Magic Once we stopped at a gas station in Las Cruces and took a break, Grace took her turn driving. I asked her to tell me more about Eden. I can tell you that you'll find some of the most healing spring waters in the Americas there. She explained that it was because the mineralization in the water is like microscopic electrites that pierce benignly into the skin at a subtle level. It also has energetic qualities that due to a faster vibration are like the vibration of love. There are seven natural hot pools. She said they are even better than bathtubs. Three were formal, lined with rocks, and built inside the natural dammed indentations. 
The other four are completely natural. The inflows continuously refresh the waters and each pool is a different temperature. You stay warm no matter how cold it gets outside. She described what it's like to wake up in the morning and practically roll off your mattress into a pure, constantly revitalized, flowing, exactly right temperature pool of water and watch the sunrise. Not only that, but the weather was ideal in the Arizona desert at this time of year. She described how salt crystals are scattered all over the ground from the salt cedars that carry the same vibe of love. Even the sound of the wind through the trees brings a musical, mystical vibe to the space. It's both the physical and the spiritual characteristics that cause people to seek out the springs for healing. I googled it some more and found a historical account on Wikipedia. This remote paradise was an oasis in the valley of the desert situated at the foot of long, low hills. There were references on the web calling it the Jewel of the Desert. It had been decades since it was an active resort. Since then, it had plunged into disrepair. Some of the pool walls had fallen in on themselves, the weeds had grown up everywhere, and the garden parks were long gone. There was a garage where there was once a pool house. The fish lake was camouflaged behind a wall of weeds. According to Wikipedia, the town of Eden was named for the Garden of Eden in 1881, about the same time that the springs were becoming a tourist stop. Even back then, it could have been a marketing ploy to get people from the big city to stop and soak. On the other hand, the town calls it Indian Hot Springs, so that must have been the original name. When I looked up from my phone, she asked me if I heard of spiritual cartographers. She explained that they were dowsers. According to them, the springs were originally a burial ground for indigenous people. There were six ancient Native American ritual structures along a ridge above where the pools lie. The geological layout was unusual due to being set upon a long ley line of mountain ridge and valley. She stressed how a space's location in the overall ball of the world mattered. The ley lines create patterns of underground energy that set up a structure of waves that strengthen that healing energy of the land. Because of the energy matrices, there are many people who intend to visit but don't make it there in the long run. It is said that only certain people are allowed to set foot on the hallowed ground. People plan to come but something stops them. They miss the email. They don't have the money. Their flight gets canceled. The rental car place is closed. The car breaks down. It makes it seem as though there is an intelligence that dictates who's allowed to be there. Perhaps the land is capable of sending out attracting and repelling energies. I'll never understand it well enough to explain it scientifically, but the way things played out, I came to believe it. She said that also, due to the energetic underpinnings, it is easier than usual to find a sense of connection with the higher, better part of the self. It was a place of the great aha. She predicted I would be able to get another layer of answers to how things work while we were there. synchronicity. After a couple of hours, we switched drivers again and I was back behind the wheel. Seeking conversation to stay alert, I asked her to tell me more about synchronicity. I wanted to know what she was going to teach a class in Thousand Oaks. 
The main gist of what I'm going to teach is how to manifest what people truly want in life and get them closer to knowing what that is. There's an association with synchronicity and that there's communion with the cycle, but it's not the same thing. But let's do talk about how to realize synchronicity. She started with names. She said they were the symbolic precursor to what manifested from them so that they could be very informing. She said the puns and wordplay were also means by which it revealed itself. Then there are the lyrics and music, of course. True, I said, my most powerful way to get it. You're right, but try this other technique. Say you're having a conversation and there's music in the background. Normally, it stays in the background. Yet in this case, you might have a question about how to best interact with the person you're talking to. You might wonder if this is one of those times that you can get an answer. Shift your attention to the lyrics of whatever's playing. You'll be shocked at how often the words apply to the topic at hand. It's frequent and no one else notices. Somehow, remembering to listen interplays with the lyrics and voila, some kind of magic manifests and you get your answer. Just listen to the music? Yes, try it, you'll like it. Pursue the symbolism. It might even be in the name of the artist. We both know how dead musicians have the power to impress us. Trust that you know the right time to tune in. Okay, anytime you notice something that sounds or seems funny, or releases an emotional trigger in you, pay attention. Your superconscious is always on alert, you know. Okay, I'll try it. Plus, birthdays are telling because someone's birthday is a day that the sun is at the same place as when they were born. Everyone has a personal Sabian symbol, like your empty hammock. So, if I were to meet you on your birthday, you would be representing the sun to me, and based on our interaction and the things you tell me, your symbol could deliver a message from the cycle. I'm not really that good at interpreting symbols, I admitted. Your contributions for the deep sea divers were excellent yesterday. Keep practicing. You'll learn more about it when you go to the dream workshop at the convention, she reassured me. After yesterday's onslaught of connections, I was much more excited and curious to see it in action. Can we do an example right now? Sure, let's start with how to actively pursue it. All right, I said. You can choose almost anything. Your intuition will lead you to what is significant. Example, ask a question, open a book and put your finger on a sentence. Then think about how that sentence is relevant. You might utilize one of those Bible verse a day apps and investigate the verse. Or you could draw a tarot or Schuster card to get a symbol. Of course, there are always the Sabians. Interpreting what you get is like unpacking a package. Pull off the wrapper, find a tiny opening, put your finger in that hole and open it a little wider and wider. Follow the trail of breadcrumbs. In our case, let's look at the map and see what the name of the largest town closest to us is. The idea is just to pick something intuitively. Okay, but why the name of the town? Well, like I said, names can show it since to symbolize the manifestation. In this case, the idea of the town's name is just what came to me. Now just look at your map app. What's coming up? I looked down at the map app that was guiding me. Oh, Lordy, of course, I should have known. What is it? Lordsburg, I said. We both started laughing. Naturally, a reference to the force. The initiating hint animated her like she'd hit the jackpot. Okay, that's endearingly relevant, but now what? 
brainstorm and hold nothing back. It'll jumpstart your intuition. Hmm, being the Lord and being that's God and being I'm hanging out with you, we'll say it's the ultimate goal, the Alpha Omega of destinations, I ventured. Ah, yes, both the beginning and the end simultaneously. I wonder if it is even safe to go there or would we get stuck in the ever-present now? She played along. We laughed. Good point. Then what? Do we wait until we get there? I asked. Uh, I don't know. Maybe let's turn off the radio and see if we can hear some magic in the lyrics. I turned up the radio and was stunned to hear what was playing. Some brilliant and tuned-in DJ somewhere out there was playing the Grateful Dead's They Love Each Other, Jerry Again. It had just started, and Jerry was singing. Mary run around, sailing up and down, looking for a shove in some direction. Got it from the top. It's nothing you can stop. Lord, you know they made a fine connection. And the chorus, they love each other. Lord, you can see it's true. Lord, you can see it's true. Now it was my turn to see the flashing lights of triumph. There was no question that there was something behind the scenes, aligning the events to make things happen along parallel paths. I wondered how it could be so right. I speculated. It might have come from being with Grace, or being close to Eden, or from being more aware of the cycle, or even the mystical answer that it was the intelligence of God shining through. I reminded myself of what was always so difficult to grasp, that the cycle and God are the same thing. Calling God the cycle sure took the woo-woo out of it. I tried not to be so entranced by what happened, so I could take it apart objectively, but mystery reigned. There was Mary, Esmeralda, and all the times I used the sailing metaphor to think of her. There was a special place the song held in my heart because, back to Gabe again, it was our song. Grace had already said synchronicity and love went together like fish and the sea. What I was taught about the archangel Gabriel sprung to mind. He was a guardian of winter and protects nature until spring arrives. He joins with Archangel Michael in the last chapter of the Bible to welcome a new world order. But even more coincidentally, Lordsburg was where we planned to stop for that day's cupcake shop excursion. I hadn't even processed that Lordsburg had anything to do with God. It was just the name of a town to me. The bakery was one of two that both bore the same name, Silver City's Angelically Balanced Cupcake Emporium. Silver City is where the original one dwells. And then there was Jack Straw, that Grateful Dead song I had heard earlier. I quietly put all this together as I listened to the lilting avant-garde and polytonal song. I sang along in my head throughout. Jerry and I were getting to be besties. Grace resumed her lesson. So we just learned that geographical references can also reveal synchronicity. Remember when we talked about masculine and feminine energies? If we're only looking at the earth and the sun, the earth is the feminine side and the sun is the masculine. The earth is multifaceted, expressive, and manifesting, and the sun is single-pointed. Another approach is to simply talk to it as though it was your friend standing right next to you. Ask it questions. As an example, I wanted to buy a new cushion I saw at the shop. I asked, is this good, having a little chat with Godness, or a higher love inside of me? And a rainbow shaft came down and landed upon the cushion as I held it. Granted, there were sun catchers in the windows, 
When I looked around, I saw little rainbows from them on the walls all around the shop, but it was the feeling I had and the exact timing that gave me faith that the experience was meaningful. I remember that feeling that God was talking to me from when I was younger, I told her, but then I tested him and he failed the test, so I gave up. Bad timing, Grace said as we both laughed. The force can be as loving, intelligent, beautiful, talented, and powerful as anything we can imagine, and more. But while operating on Earth, it still must stay within the cycle structure. That zero place between the end and the beginning, would that be the Omega Alpha? That's a laughing place. Spirit loves to have a joke and to just laugh, to take things lightly. Synchronicity is a show of love and genius. Don't disregard it. It is both human and without identity. It is the shape-shifting of the energy to reveal itself. Whoa, she could be intense. I thought I would take some time to ponder all that. You can call it God, and you can call it the natural cycle of life, she said. And when you think about it, that makes it either both genders or gender-free, but not strictly a him. It was a long drive through rolling hills of arid expanse. Clouds of sand billowed behind the car. The mountains were to our north. I thought of droughts, of course. I started getting thirsty. Thirst reminded me of coffee, and coffee made me think of cupcakes. We were closing in on Lordsburg. bookstore. Silver City's angelically balanced cupcake emporium was hiding out along a wall on the back side of a bookstore that was near the center of town. Lordsburg is a tiny town and we were the only one there for cupcakes. Behind the apparent lull in business was a flurry of activity because it is also the front for the internet delivery business ABC Build a Cupcake. All of their advertising went towards the online side of the business. The hard-working employees were as busy as Oompa Loompas, making batter, fillings, toppings, and icings, while simultaneously fulfilling an impressive number of orders. It's not that they didn't care, but the in-store customers weren't their priority. As we stepped into the store, a powerful, gravitational force pulled us in and called us to stop and read everything we saw. There was a sizable distance, dominated by tables covered in piles of books between us and the cupcake counter. The fascinating titles covered the gamut, from children's books to scientific manuals, with everything in between. There were fictions and classics, health guides and cookbooks, self-help books, general repair manuals, relationship advice and sensual support books, success in business books, and a variety of new age, futuristic, and science fiction laid out. We went from table to table picking up this book or that, becoming engrossed, and then moving on to the next. I was reminded of the parents' fate in the movie, Spirited Away. After a half hour or so, it occurred to me that we didn't have all day. It was going to be hard to leave now that we were there. I thought about the name of the town, wondering what is in a name. I thought perhaps it is the same as the word in the Bible. I considered the concept of living in the now. That led me to think about the little I knew of meditation and whether being in that quiet space was the way to knowing the true wholeness or zero state of love. I sought out a book on meditation and one appeared. I got lost in it looking for answers. Then part of me came down to earth. 
I thought. We should set a timer so we don't spend the whole day here. Look at this book on breathing, Grace said, showing me what she'd picked up. Just breathing? A whole book on breathing? I asked. Oh, sure, there's a lot to know about breathing, she answered. I thought I knew all there was on that topic. In, out, in, out. Speaking of which, get the cupcakes and get out, I thought. I looked at my watch. An hour had passed. I suggested to Grace that we get a move on. She looked at me blankly like she couldn't understand my words, but I corralled her towards the counter where we were to order. We looked at the menu. Due to this being a build-a-cupcake establishment, the selection was practically infinite. It advertised unlimited possibility. So we had a choice of cake flavor and type, fillings, icings and add-ins, decorations, including liner cups and toppings. How could there be so much abundance? Did I want sponge, genoise, butter or gâteau? Chocolate, vanilla, lemon, almond, or orange? The list went on and on, really fancy. Raspberry preserve, lemon curd, chocolate ganache for fillings, and I could have a buttercream with a hint of mint or a royal icing with an Oreo mixed in. On the top, there was a glob of caramel, a touch of gold leaf, ground pistachios, chocolate shavings, playful silvery sprinkles, or tens of other toppers. Beyond that, I could choose my packaging. I didn't really want packaging, but this seemed like something else that could be legit to review. How well something arrives at its destination and how beautiful it is when the box is opened. And whereas we were going to sample some today, we got the package of six mini cupcakes to save some for later. That meant they might be in transit for a couple of days. I was surprised to realize it was Friday already. It took a while for our order to be prepared. We sat around a coffee table in armchairs and read the inky and crinkly newspapers that were spread out in front of us. I embraced a strong sense of security and comfort. During this time where equal power was given to books and cupcakes, what I remember is how completely fulfilled I was. I pondered the immersion in the now, in the observation of the many senses via the whole experience. I frequently recall that feeling of nowness, sensing it most strongly when I make the effort to consciously breathe. We finally left the shop after being there much longer than planned. Eden was only two hours away, but still, we were going to have to make up some time if we wanted to enjoy the hot springs that afternoon. I tried to manifest another time warp. It was Grace's turn to drive. We finally passed the Welcome to Arizona sign, and from there it was only another hour. I reflected on what Grace told me about the place. We would go down an endless dirt road by farms with long fields of cotton on either side until we reached a locked gate. At that gate, we might meet a beautiful yoga master goddess or a boy genius researching colors that had never been seen by human eyes or a mad scientist who lived in a trailer underground on the property, covertly inventing the next great recreational hallucinogenic drug. I imagined the long weeping willow-like branches blowing in the wind above pristine warm spring water and drifted off to sleep as my head vibrated against the window on a thin pillow. I woke up with a startle. As soon as I opened my eyes, Grace said excitedly, I just saw an eagle. What? For real? A bald eagle? 
Yes, we were with it for a while, and then it went the way the road doesn't go, and here we are on the straight and narrow to Eden. She went on to describe how it soared, dipping, diving, and swooping through the bright blue sky. Headed north, it flew up the valley along the Gila River. Mary sailed parallel to its course for a few minutes until the road parted from the river. It reminded me of something I saw on TikTok. I asked her, can you tell me more about spirit animals, like getting a message through the symbolism of the animal you see? Why, yes, I enjoy thinking that way, she said. It also falls under the umbrella of my theory of synchronous energies, since the animals are also vibing too, of course, only on a whole different level. My new interpreting brain kicked into gear. So do you think the eagle could represent where we are in the cycle of this trip experience, I asked? Symbolically, like the eagle is our nation's bird, and we're going across the nation and Googling. According to Google, it's called the king of the skies, I announced, now the expert. Sure, I resonate with that, she said encouragingly. Also, the eagle is in three of the Sabian symbols. In fact, it is one of the only symbols that shows up twice with similar wording. There's a flag turned into an eagle and a flag that turns into an eagle that crows. The third symbol also references an eagle morphing, but the feel is a little different. It is an eagle and a white dove turning into one another. What do you suppose all that turning into is about, I asked. Eagles and flags together seem like a theme of patriotism. The meaning of the image is determined by the energy of the day and the month it's associated with, and without knowing that, it's hard to know what kind of energy to put the focus on. I can see that mutability and illusion are involved, she said as she passed a slow-moving Volkswagen. Switching into teacher mode, she said, birds represent messengers between God and the earth, and eagles can go to the highest. The one I saw had such an amazing wingspan and flew higher and further than any bird I've seen in, well, I don't know how long. It occurred to me that our time in Eden might be the peak of the whole trip. However, after learning about the cycle, the peak had a different meaning than before. On one hand, it was still the peak, with all its inherent success and a sense of victory. But on the other, a test was implied, and soon thereafter, a fall. That made me wonder if peaks were really my thing. All I wanted was to have a relaxing and peaceful time. The empty hammock came to mind. Then I must have gone back to sleep for the rest of the hour because the next thing I knew, we were at the gate of the resort. There was no welcome sign, no sign of identification whatsoever. There was just a gate across the road joined with a heavy chain and deep ravines on either side. A snippet of a dream I had been having came to mind. I was in court defending myself, being prosecuted for my thoughts. I told them that I'm allowed to think and believe whatever I want. But the prosecutors, a man and a woman, who both wore an insignia that depicted the Greek letters Alpha and Omega, said my thoughts must be absolute truth with a capital T. I was questioning whose truth was truth, and the judge was on my side until the prosecutors said that only they could judge. But they did not judge, and the judge agreed. As I was released, the courtroom erupted in laughter and applause. I awoke with a sense of relief and wonderment.
Strider at the gate. Normally, Grace said the passenger pops out of the car and unlocks the gate's lock. Being that person, I prepared myself. Just as I was about to do the deed, a gangly and horsey-looking fellow wearing a cowboy hat walked out from behind the fence post. He had the longest legs I'd seen since I attended my college basketball games. Oh, it's Strider, Grace exclaimed, excited to see someone she knew first thing. I'll have to introduce you. Hiya, Strider, she yelled out the window as she pulled up to the front of the gate. Aloha, dear Grace, he shouted, his deep voice ringing strong. He must have just walked back from Hawaii. Allow me to open and close the gate. Grace introduced us, and we said our howdy-do's through the window. Are they wearing masks? My bet is no. Hell no, not this group. Everyone's supposed to test, but nobody's worried, and we're fully in the building, so get used to it or avoid the indoors, he drawled. I told myself to let it go for a night. The thought brought extreme delight, feeling so free. I was ready to party. It had been months. I could only hope it wasn't one of those super spreader events, and it wasn't. We were both vaccinated anyway. Grace asked him about his recent trips. Oh yeah, gal, I've had some great walkabouts, and I've seen some snakes and coyotes, you betcha. I'll tell you all about them back at the ranch. He set the code, opened the lock, pulled the chain away from between the two fences, and opened one side wide for Mary. We drove through the open gate and he shut it behind us, pulling the chain around the two halves and clicking the padlock closed again. While he did this, Grace told me he was known for having covered most of America on foot and that he had a podcast and had been on NPR, that he traveled to events and reported on them for a living. He seemed like someone I would love to talk to. He strode off down the long dirt road with a wave and another aloha. That's when I learned aloha means hello and goodbye.